The countdown's on, MP. Damo, the biggest and best wellness summit ever is fast approaching. Don't miss out on the entertainment. The education. The edutainment that is the wellness summit. Featuring for the very first time at the summit, the Merrymaker sisters, Carla and Emma Pappas, and the 2013 Bachelor himself, the incredible chiropractor and sharp mover, Mr. Tim Robards, plus all of your wellness couch favorites. And wait for it, Damo. All 22 podcasts on the couch will be in attendance at the summit. Wow. So take your digital wellness couch experience and make it a real-life one at the transformational, inspirational, sensational 16 hours of Powerhouse Wellness Summit at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. September 10 and 11. More information and tickets available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Now, before you go, Damo, there's a big competition on as of now. Every single person who registers before a 11.59pm on Sunday, August 14, goes into the draw to win a double pass to the inaugural 2016 Wellness Couch Awards Night. Amazing. You'll join the who's who of the Wellness Couch as we present for the very first time the best new podcast, most popular episode, most popular the host, the best hair, of course, MP, most awkward moment, and many more sensational awards at this night of fun and wellness frivolity. But you must enroll, folks, by August 14. Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to another episode of The Real Food Reel. Today on the show we are joined by Bianca Monaghan from Sprout Health. Bianca is a qualified personal trainer and health nut with over six years industry experience. It's her first time on the show so we're going to find out more Bianca and have a really great conversation with her today. Hi Bianca and thanks for joining The Real Food Reel. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on the show. And so we always like to start with a little bit of an elevator pitch or some information about yourself, your education and what you're up to now. Sure. Um, Well, right now I'm a personal trainer. I've been a PT for about six years now and I'm also doing um, a health science and nutritional medicine degree. So uh, when I finished high school, uh, over 10 years ago, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I went straight into uni and did, did a year of um, human movement, so sports health science, which I really liked, but I wasn't sure where to go with it at the time. Um, so I just deferred that and I you know, worked a bit. And then just to keep my foot in that health and wellness industry, I did my personal training qualifications and just for a little bit of you know, self-education and things like that. And that's sort of where I did I did a longer course, so it wasn't one of those six-week courses. It took about a year. And um, I noticed, this was sort of six years ago though, that um, there was only two subjects in the whole course that was on nutrition, and I found that really strange. So um, I think that's probably changed a lot now because the landscape is very different um, and nutrition is, you know, quite at the forefront now. But back then I thought, that's not right. Um, you know, food and everything, what we put into us is so much about 
um, you know, health and obviously back then exercise and sporting output and things. So I went, enrolled um, back in uni and started going from there and I'm still doing my degree. I'm doing it part-time while I work. Um, I personal train through my Sprout Health business and I've got the website as well, which is where a lot of my clients come. I share information and research and things like that. Yeah, very cool. So I can see that you've already got quite a large nutrition focus, which is excellent. Yeah. Obviously a big part of health and wellness. So how would you summarize your real food message? So I guess, I mean, and I know a lot of people would say this, you know, bringing everything back to basics because I just think it got really exciting when nutrition became an important topic, but it went, you know, very quickly, which I'm sure you would have seen as well. Um, And then I think people got scared. There was a lot of information out there, some very extreme advice as well. And I I always try, I I work mainly with females um, and I try and just pull it back for them a little bit but also my sort of I sort of have two messages keeping it simple and also that uh, nutrition and health is a priority um I I you know I think it's really odd when people don't see it as a number one priority and often it's the main factor in their life that is causing other issues you know um if it's hormone imbalances or weight loss or fitness or you know um emotional things things like that um you just got to bring it back and it is so important it's not something that's if I have time you know yeah I agree I think it's interesting and um I do see this a lot about the prioritization and I wonder if it's because we come from a society that are quite quick fix driven or Mm. pharmaceutical orientated that we expect maybe that it's more complicated or that there is an answer that's outside of us. Whereas as you know, and even conversations that I have when it might even come from say further um, investigation like salivary hormone testing or pathology, The kind of irony is that still the conversation comes back to what you eat, restful sleep, moderate exercise, stress management techniques, uh, low-tox living, and those really, I guess, what we call the pillars of health. Yeah, and I think that's where that simple message comes in because it is just that, yet so many people don't do it. If they did, we wouldn't have all these problems. Mm. And I think that's why I worked in um, in a corporate Um, law firm actually while I was studying before I moved to the Gold Coast and I think people find it really detached from uh, you know you and I are in the industry we read other blogs we talk to other people and it's everything that we live but I think so many people feel so detached Um, you know they might be a corporate lawyer sitting there in their office going oh well she's lives on the Gold Coast and is a (laughs) personal trainer and of course she can eat like that and I think it's this strange thing where people are like, well, I can't do that or I don't have time. And I think that's where I'm like, yes, you can, you know, and showing people really simply that you can do it. And it, and even though we're told and everyone goes, I know that I need to sleep more. I need to eat healthily. I think sometimes, um, I'm a Gemini, but a tough love. I have to be like, yep, you actually have to do it. You know, you can read about it, but it is such a priority. Yeah, obviously it's about creating those changes, but acknowledging how many of them are in your own hands, right? I mean, Mm. simply going to bed early is, well, simple but not easy for a lot of people, but it's not something that is hard to understand, you know, yeah, the research is there. And it's the same conversation with stress management. Um, I don't know about you, but maybe four years ago, people thought I was a bit woo-woo when I started to talk about 
mindfulness or meditation or adding a yoga practice for my endurance athletes. But the research is totally clear. I mean, we can't ignore the benefits of stress management. And on the other side, we we can't ignore the detrimental effects of this high stressful um, or that busyness that some people wear as a badge of honour. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And as you said, I think it- you know, lately I've seen as well sleep is a big one that seems to have come back into the media lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, into fashion going mm. to sleep. Um, but, yeah, you know, and I was the same. I'd jump up and down about it for years and everyone goes, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I have to. And it's like, no, you actually have to start. And I think you don't want to be an alarmist, but, it, you know, we look at how sick everyone is. Um, even now it's not so much about, Obviously, we have a um, obesity problem as well, but there's so many other problems as well. Um, hormone imbalances, this stress, um, mental, you know, uh, depression, and things like that. Obviously, so many factors, but the, as we keep saying, there is such that big core about health and wellness, which people can control themselves. And I think that's why I love this industry because, as cliche as it sounds, you're helping people help themselves because that's something they do have control over. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's also about for the individual acknowledging their why. Like if we can talk about sleep, um, you know, I work with a lot of athletes that might think that they only need six hours sleep, feel like they thrive on less sleep or that maybe it's a really cool thing to only need that much. But when you then teach them what actually happens during sleep, like the production of growth hormone for muscle repair and recovery, suddenly the athlete's like, oh, this sounds interesting because their goal is recovery. And that's obviously a huge factor for ongoing performance. So I guess it's more about the the explanation that's relative to the individual yeah. rather than it just being like, oh, it's, it's a, a time or a, a task to, yeah. to set the alarm or making it relative to yes. what. And I think that's what I found when I was working just in an office, pointing out that it wasn't about being, you know, either losing weight or, um, you know, an aesthetic thing, but it makes you, you know, a better, a better worker, a better, um, mother or father, um, you know, a better boyfriend or girlfriend or lawyer or doctor or whatever you want to be. It just, it makes you a better person. And I think that's what you were saying about that why and making it relative. Um, because I think also people think that it doesn't need to bother them because they're not really interested in it, <laughs> which again, I find odd because I'm like, well, you know, it's a very big part of everyone's life wellness. So yeah, yeah bringing it back to, as you said, people's why. And then yeah, the productivity element's huge. I mean, there's some amazing research on the impact of mindfulness and productivity in the workplace. So, yeah. you know, selling that to the health, um, sorry, to the, you know, either the health and wellness manager or whoever it is that looks after the wellness programs in a large organisation is really important because then they will invest their time and money into those resources to share with their employees. Yeah, and um, I've done I've done a, quite a few chats with corporate firms about sort of applying that there as well. And I think, yeah, when they can see that it affects them, you know, that it's going to reduce sick days. It's going to you're just getting a bit, that better work output in the morning. Everyone isn't sort of sluggish at three o'clock so much anymore. It just everything benefits from that. And I think that's really exciting when you see things not necessarily in a weight loss or even sort of sports performance, which is what we're interested in, but mm. from another level, just seeing people 
just be a bit better <laughs> at everything, I suppose. Yeah. And feeling better. That's really, I really enjoy watching that when people come up and tell me that I'm feeling so much, you know, more awake, I'm sleeping better, even things like that, opposed to just losing weight or things like that. So yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It extends far beyond. Absolutely. So tell us, or share with us what you share with your clients as a place to start or some daily habits or strategies that you think can start to make that a priority. Yep. So I always um, tell everyone just to keep it as simple as you possibly can. Obviously, the real food movement and everything is massive now, which is amazing. Um, and we're seeing, you know, markets and things like that become more popular again. Um, so I always say, starting if you're you know at a shopping center for example shop at the ends of the aisle excuse me um don't shop in the middle just get to know just using real food you know if it's coming from a packet why or does it need to (laughs) you know is there a a better fresher option um cooking getting back into the kitchen and understanding food and I know it's not everyone's most exciting thing to do but it, it doesn't have to be long and you know, not a master chef experience, but it just getting people to understand food and then also understanding how they feel. That's a big thing. Um, you know, if they eat something, how does that make them feel afterwards? Does it make them feel bloated? Obviously, especially with females and hormonal things, you know, does that make you feel tired? Does that make you feel constipated? Getting back in touch with your body as well, I think is so important. Um, that's normally where I start. Just keep it simple. Um, and then listen to yourself and your body. Yeah, we always come back to that intuition, which is somehow lost along the way yeah. with what we're <laughs> fed, pun the pun, in terms of being um, whether it is our, our archaic guidelines or our low-fat error that seems to get in the way of people's ability to appreciate what is real food and what their body needs. Yeah, and um, I think I was like that too. When I finished school, I was always really athletic. Um, I've never been an overweight person. Genetically, I'm smaller, so I think it never was a huge issue for me in terms of weight. And I was never bad. I've always been a high-energy person, but it wasn't until I started really getting interested in nutrition and then I just felt amazing. I thought, gosh, I didn't even know how I felt back then. Mm. And um, once I didn't have a huge crash moment or um illness but even the difference for myself I just has noticed so much and that's um that intuition that we talk about and so many people don't even notice anything you know they'll say oh my gosh I'm so bloated or uh, xyz whatever and I'll say oh why and I'll say oh I have no idea Mm. (laughs) so it's about listening again I think and just being a bit more aware yeah and I also think that's why it's someone like yourself or myself when you work with a client you obviously ask more questions so mm-hmm. you can have a look at connecting those dots and then you often see the light bulb go off like I had a, a consult with a client earlier in the week and she thought that her trigger was wheat so we we're obviously going to try um wheat free anyway but I started asking yep. a lot more questions about particular foods and it was starting to sound a lot more like the FODMAP food so then we went down the route of teaching you more about other potential digestive triggers and then it was like this massive moment of oh my god they are my triggers and I've been eating so many of them and this is why I'm feeling like xyz and which is yep. great when you uncover those things because um you know a relatively simple elimination protocol can then um be a great strategy to create change that sort of a simple experiment it doesn't have to be too drastic Mm. um I've done that with my fiance at the moment um he's 
sort of came off the bat of sort of semi-professional football and now he's doing a lot more triathlons and things like that mm. and he's always had just issues, funny sort of guts, I think you could say. And um, we sort of did a little trial and error with him and he found out that it was a lot of dairy that was affecting him. And, yeah, stuff like that, obviously, him listening and (laughs) I use him as my little project often Mm. But he, because he's not aware, it's not how he thinks, but then he'll come back to me and say, oh, my goodness, I, you know, trained so much better today or this week because I haven't eaten it, blah. And and it's, I, you can, yeah, as you said, see in his mind him thinking about it now and it's it's nice to sort of see that with him because I know he can see those results in his training, for example, but oh, he absolutely. thought of it himself. Yeah. Yeah, and connecting those dots. So it's, a, yeah. it's again like getting rid of that sort of cognitive dissonance of the past where people don't see how important food is. Yeah, and he's really healthy and, you mm. know, there's not a bit of fat on him. He's, he's so fit and I think he would just never think that things like that are an issue. And then when you show mm. them the other side of it, um, it's, yeah, it is that light bulb moment and then it's exciting because he knows he can get more out of his training or whatever. Yeah, and it's also that, you know, fit doesn't equal healthy. I think we've really got to be um, pretty clear on the misconception that even if you are lean that, you, you know, that there's no problems. <laughs> it's a big yeah. fallacy that you, you can't get away with eating garbage. There'll be a, a, a time and a place where it all, um, you know, either falls into a heap or you start to really realise that, um your internal health is important and athletes are notoriously terrible mm-hmm. at this because there are lots of people that either have the genetics or the metabolism or age on their side that that kind of I guess the the errors from a nutritional point of view are um I don't know they I guess the training outweighs it until a certain point like the high yeah. volume means they can get away with it or it appears they can mm. um until that point yeah, and I think that's that's it. They don't they don't think about it, or it's not that they think that they're better than that. But I think obviously for athletes, it's all about that out, work output and training, and then the nutrition side's probably not as fancy for them. Um, but mm. yeah, I mean, yeah, Adam was another example. He was always so fit and well, but he was always getting sick and always mm. getting sort of man flu, as we call it, but all the time, sort of. Um, especially in winter, every six weeks he was getting the flu. And I couldn't even tell you the last time I was sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, after, you know, being back at uni and things, obviously gut health is super important. Mm. So the past sort of two years we've really focused that for him and he, touch wood, <laughs> hasn't been sick for over a year. And, mm. you know, I'm not saying I'm not a doctor, but just making those little steps, um, improving his gut health and things like that. He'd been through a lot of injuries um, with his football, so had been on a patient and painkillers and things. So we sort of had to build up from there, as you know, because they can disrupt all that gut um, bacteria. And mm. I, re- I really believe that after all that sort of thing, it was why he was just getting sick all the time because that immune system and that, you know, gut linkage was just so bad. Even though he was so fit looking, this, you know, he was getting um, a, co- a cold or the flu all the time. And once I sort of focused in on that, it was almost a light bulb moment for me because he was so close to me. And then I thought, hold on, let's try this. And um, yeah, it's just, it's awesome to see that sort of thing. As you said, they might look fit and healthy or lean, but 
going on on the inside. You never quite know what's happening. Yeah, so I find that interesting actually because I have one of those. Can you hear the background birds? I'm in Queensland <laughs> at the moment, so I have a nice little orchestra, which is very cool. <laughs> They're loving the sun. <laughs> yeah, getting some sun. Um, I have one of those and um, – Look, I won't say too much, but there's a little bit of ignorance as to the immune system and how the yeah. food choices could possibly be interfering with that. <laughs> I know, heaven forbid. Because <laughs> I'm like you. I mean, I've, I haven't been sick for years. So um, that is a very interesting sort of, I guess, comparison when you live in the same household as well. Yeah. So how did you approach that just from, a, you know, being the, being the, the partner, the fiancé and... Um, you know, you don't want to come across as the nag. Do you have any tips for our listeners that might want to share that with their loved ones? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm very lucky. He's really interested in it mm. now. We've come a long way and he can see now. I mean, he eats the same as I do. Mm. Obviously, I'm sort of the cook in the family too. And he does, he's, he's a guy, I'll put a plate in front of him. He'll <laughs> eat it and won't ask two questions about it. But mm. um, I think to get him interested in it and to see why, he was getting better results. I was sort of telling him why I was doing things. So um, I wasn't saying, you you know, you need to do this or you need to do that, but I'd cook a meal um, and then or just make a breakfast with things and we were cutting out because he's eating just a lot of um, processed carbohydrates and a lot of bread and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, for example, would make sort of poached eggs and we'd have some sort of sauerkraut, you know, that good bacteria fermented food and make it really yummy with avocado, like just this huge man meal with, you know, bacon and he just thought it was the best thing ever. And then I just sort of throw in little bits as to why it's on the plate. Um, just little things like that. I don't think you need to nag people. Yeah. I've been lucky. Adam, as I said, would just eat whatever is put in front of him. But as you throw those little bits of information, I, I – see him then saying things back to me like it was his idea which is quite funny um but yeah yeah. you can see or or if we go out he'll choose things um differently now um and as you said because we were living together it was it was a funny thing because I think I was almost too close I didn't notice and he never ate badly but until we figured out like I said that dairy was causing a disruption with him we don't have much dairy anyway but um it's not an issue for for me so I was they're thinking well we eat pretty well and then once we started experimenting with that and we got the good results it was yeah it was good but I think just little little tips along the way opposed to just full-blown we're going on a diet or you're cutting out this or you know da 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 just explaining why things are happening or the benefits of the food that you're eating yeah and leading by example of course if he suddenly notices that you're not sick and Mm. He, he always is. There's a, a bit of a, a, well, hopefully, a light bulb that goes off with regards to that. Yes. And, yeah, I think that's sort of what happened because I, and I kept sort of saying that. <laughs> Notice how I'm looking after you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's been really cool and I think yeah, I think that was a bit of a success story in the household and I think it, it extends further than, you know, people and family members see how you live and you don't, you know, you lead by example. You don't have to shove it down people's throats. Obviously, we're in in the business where we're there, people come to us for help. But for the people around you, you don't even have to say anything. People come up to you and say, wow, you know, what are you doing? Or And you just, yeah, you show them or you tell them why you eat the way you do and the results in front of them can't lie. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's – you've got to be a walking example. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
So the, what I wanted to chat to you about next, Bianca, was a little campaign that you've been running this year, which I think is very cool. So you've called it Ban the Bottle uh, yes. and you're referring to plastics and why you don't buy bottled water. Mm-hmm. Could you share with us some of the pretty alarming stats um, and some more information about what you're doing there? Yeah, so that was sort of... Um, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but I guess that was sort of my thing I wanted to do this year. Um, obviously, we all know there's a big waste sort of issue at the moment. There's just so much well, food wastage and plastics and all those sorts of things. Um, and bottled water is just astronomical. It is absolutely insane. It, it um, I can't remember the exact stats, apologies, but we they, it takes like the double the amount of water to um, in the processing um, methods to make one, you know, bottled water and all these bottles end up in landfill. Um, plus the cost to the economy is absolutely insane as well as the health, um, you know, health implications of drinking out of plastic all the time. So um, I dealt with my own sort of slight in- hormone imbalances a couple of years ago and um, plastics came up in a lot of the research I was doing, um, you know, and then chemicals in everything that we use. But plastic water bottles, I just thought, seemed to be a really big um, problem and easy first step to take because, you know, you can say I'm gonna not going to have plastic in my whole life and that can be quite a big thing, whereas I thought if I focus in on plastic bottles, um, never – well, I, ha- I haven't yet. We're in July, so – um, never buying a plastic bottle this year of water, always taking my um, glass bottle around with me, filling it up whenever I can. Um, and yeah, it's reducing cost, it's reducing landfill. I'm not drinking water out of um, potentially harmful plastics that, you know, can leach chemicals into my system. And it's just one of those things. It was a little challenge. A lot of people have jumped on board, and I just think p- plastic water is insane. I cannot believe people pay for water in plastic bottles. If you'd said that 20, 30 years ago, people would have laughed. And yeah, that's what people do every day now, which I think is such a big thing that we need to change. Yes. I mean, your article that I'll link to in the show notes um, has a few more stats, which I think I'll share just to... Yes. Sorry, I didn't know. No, that's cool. (laughs) But like, I didn't, I didn't know this. Australia spends over $500 million on bottled water each year. Yeah. 500 million. It's insane. And then when you look at sort of those world hunger stats, I think I had there as well, you know, if we channeled that that money into things like that or providing drinkable water for the people that can't get it, Mm. um, it just, it seems insane to me that, that those stats are there when we could either be helping our country, obviously, and also everyone over, you know, in those countries where they can't get even running water and we're spending yeah. billions on something that we can get out of the tap. <laughs> yeah, it is It is crazy. And I think, again, there's that sort of disconnect where we're all guilty of sort of just making that purchase. Or you know how you when you buy a lot of fuel at the petrol station, they try to give yeah. you stuff for a dollar mm. and um, the other options are Kit Kats, so I just take the water or I have in the past. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I, the healthy option. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take the refined sugar, but I'll I'll be honest, like when I, when I make that choice, I, I don't also have the thought about the downstream effects, which I definitely should um, – and, you know, we'll continue to work on, I think yeah, it's just being more mindful of those choices and being organized so that you have a bottle with you in the car. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, cause it's that big environmental push that I sort of wanted to make a bit more mm. this year too. Um, and yeah, as you said, being a little bit more prepared and also I think often 
we buy bottled water quickly and we only really need a sip or so at the time. Whereas if you, you know, you're in the car, you could be home in 10 minutes and you can get a glass, you know, things like that, as you said, at the pet. And, and um, I went to a country music festival with mm-hmm. a friend at the beginning of the year and we took our own water bottles and filled them up because there was this, there was taps on hand and, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't wasting all these plastic bottles. And I think just little steps like that can make a huge difference, even if it's just you, but it's, that was sort of my challenge myself this year and I'm halfway through and going strong. <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, we see it overseas. Obviously, um, San Fran have... Yeah had a huge ban on plastic bottles and plastic shopping bags. So it's totally possible, right, just with the awareness and the continuing education. Um, Mm. And clearly, as always, that organisation takes um, a big big role in that. Yeah, and... You know, traveling. I'm traveling overseas. I think I've seen as well when I was in Rome um, and Italy. They have they have um, free like free running taps all over the city, mm. and I think st- stuff like that. Having more bubblers, they don't necessarily have to be cold, um, but more options for people to access um, drinking water around cities or around towns and things like that. I know that's a huge expense, but think about the money we're spending on plastic bottles and maybe pop that into making the water more accessible. And then, you know, in the long term, we're not spending all that money on harmful plastics. And, you know, as I said, I've just moved to the Gold Coast and um, seeing all the waste that ends up in the ocean on the beaches as well. Plastic bottles are everywhere. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, the environmental impact is is huge and and obviously the health impact. We have lots of low-tox podcasts on the show and we speak Mm -hmm. about BPA and BPS quite a lot. And um, just while we're on the plastics topic, um, I think the one of the really big problems with those water bottles is from a health side of things is that they sit in the car and they get Mm -hmm. hot and we reuse them 15 times. Yeah. and they're really not designed to be reusable, which is part of the problem. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was thinking about that before because you sort of leave them in your car console, it's in the sun, it mm. heats up. That's obviously when the chemicals can um, become sort of more active in there. Same with um, those Chinese takeaway containers. They're only designed to be used once. So you've mm. got sort of two issues there. It's obviously that waste issue because they're only supposed to be used once, which is silly. But then the fact that people don't use them once because they don't want to be wasteful, but then they're more harmful because mm. they're heating up or we're reheating food. Um, I don't like to use Glad Wrap and things like that as well when I'm reheating food. Um, but, yeah, the plastic bottles in cars or just sitting there getting hot um, is, a, is a big one. That's why we have glass or sort of those um, aluminium ones at home as much as we can. Yeah, the, the, the glass Pyrex containers are fantastic for reheating if you need to. Yeah, yeah, we've got lots of those now. I sort of, And that was another thing. You do take those steps. I don't think mm. you're so drastic. I obviously have plastic Tupperware containers in my house, but each time one dies, I buy a glass version. So, you know, I can't afford to throw out every Tupperware container in my house, but it's just about making those steps um, as you go. So, yeah, as I said, as one breaks, I won't buy a plastic one. I'll buy a glass one or the Pyrex ones to replace it. So little little things like that every time you know, each each day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same with our coffee cups. I mean, we've had this conversation mm. before on the show, but um, I mostly get my coffees from the woodshed at work, so I just use a ceramic cup and I appreciate that's not um, everyone's 
sort of, I guess, situation, but we have those keep cups and reusable cups and then we stop the crazy wastage and landfill that is our takeaway coffee cups and obviously the, the chemicals that are found in those lids when they're heated from the inside. Yeah, and people don't think about those sorts of things. So, mm. um, uh, yeah, and as you said, it's not everyone's sort of cup of tea and, and you can make those small steps, but I think it's just about that awareness and that's why I did the ban the bottle because I thought it was just one thing, it was one step. I've got another um, nutritionist friend who wrote an article about the keep cups that you were talking about um, and about the insane wastage of coffee and it was hilarious because I just – just started this ban the bottle and I hadn't even considered coffee and I thought oh my mm. goodness you know so it but it, you know you can beat yourself up about it or you can say cool I'll add that to my little challenge so I've, I'm the same I've got my little keep cup and I um try and take that with me as much as I can when I get coffee so I just think yeah don't put too much pressure on yourself but just making those little steps all the time yeah absolutely that's awesome mm. yeah very good. So I'd love to share um, your online home with our listeners so they can find you. So could you direct us to website and social media, please? Sure. So my website is sprouthealth.com.au and my Instagram is just at sprouthealth mm-hmm. and my Twitter is at sprouthealthau. Beautiful. Yeah, and then all my sort of um, email contacts and all that are on my website as well. Amazing. So head to the show notes team to find (laughs) out more about Bianca. And it's great to have spoken with you and uh, all the best with your studies and we look forward to having you on the show again in the future. Thanks so much, Steph. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.